I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Join us with questions and answers with Pastor John Carter. Paul from New York says, Christians in the U.S. get divorced as much as anyone else. His pastor is divorced and remarried. He wants to know, how many wives have you had? What does the Bible say about divorce? <laughs> how many wives have have I had? I wonder if I should confess this publicly on television. Oh dear. I'm going to tell you folks something. Beverly will probably get mad with me. We're coming up soon. Very soon we will have been married for, oh no, I can't. I don't know if I should tell you this because Beverly's going to say to me, why would you tell him that? Why didn't you? I say, because I'm just trying to give people honest truth. That's why. That's what we're calling this program, Honest Truth. Well, I'm proud to say that Beverly and I were married in 1962. That is 59 years ago, before most of you folks were even born. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're, I, I think we're doing well. Uh, this is my birthday today, and I'm not 20 years of age, and I'm feeling great, and some people even tell me I don't look bad. And Beverly looks better than I do, so there you've got it. What do I think about divorce? Well, it's not what I think about divorce at all. And I don't like to go around criticizing people who are divorced. I think today in the world we've got too much of this, you know, negativism towards people who've made mistakes. Now, I think we've got to preach the truth. We've got to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But I think we've got to do it with love. And we've got to be kind to people. Is there anybody out there who, who believes in kindness? Yes, of course you do. Okay, here's a text. I'm going to read it to you on divorce. I'm going to read it to you because Jesus said it. Matthew 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Like she burnt the toast. Oh, she... Uh, was ironing your clothes and she burnt your, sh your shirt so you can get a divorce. Or even worse, you just bought her a brand new car and she, what did she do? Well, she ran it into a, into a fence, a stone fence. You get a divorce for those things. Well, no, well, see what Jesus said. Verse 4, haven't you read, Jesus said, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female female. He made Adam and Eve. You see this? Okay. He made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Don't stay with them. Leave them. And be united to his wife. And the two will become one. One man, one woman. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's a good one, isn't it? 
The two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus seemed to talk about marriage lasting. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man uh, give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? That's what they used to do, you see. They had multiple marriages. They had multiple wives. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Wow. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. What can I say to you? You say, well, don't tell me this stuff. Well, you see, I've got a bit of a problem. I believe in honest truth. I believe in following the Bible. I believe in Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to be deceiving you. I won't be lying to you. One of the big problems today in the Western world, in the United States of America, Australia and other places, heaps of people who call themselves Christians haven't got a clue what is in the Bible. They never read it. Just don't read it. Some people thought, they did a survey, and some people thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers? Goodness me. So we got terrible ignorance about uh, what's taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches that marriage is for keeps. Till death do us part, so help us God. But having said that, I want you to know that God loves us, God cares for us. Jesus died for us and there's forgiveness for every sin and we need to love people irrespective of what they have done. We should not love the sin but we should love the sinner, don't you think? This is the honest truth, my friend. Frances, who attends a university in Berlin, wrote that all of her professors believe in evolution and say that the Bible is a crazy book because it teaches unscientific ideas. Do you believe in evolution? Do you believe in science? I believe in science. True science. I don't believe in uh, stuff that is just manufactured in the name of science. I don't believe in that stuff. There are many wonderful scientists. We owe our lives to many scientific inventions. I believe in true science. But I don't believe in hocus pocus. Hocus pocus? What's this? I don't believe in hocus pocus. I don't believe in science being used to cover a multitude of sins. Don't believe in that nonsense. Do I believe in evolution? Well, I don't want to start confusing some of my great friends, but you know, there's microevolution and there's macroevolution. Microevolution is what we're seeing with the coronavirus uh, thing. It changes a tiny little bit, but it is still a coronavirus. And that's why the vaccine has got to be tweaked a little bit. You, you understand this. Scientists call this 
microevolution. Everybody believes in this, but I do not believe in macroevolution. Macroevolution teaches that we came from, and, and I'm not criticizing people who believe this, because there are some great people who believe some ideas that I don't believe. I believe in loving people. I don't believe in this bitterness that if a person belongs to that party and it's not your party, you've got to hate him. And here's another person who doesn't think the same as you do. He's in another church. You've got to hate him too. I don't believe in this stuff. I think this is so much opposed to the gospel of Christ. But some scientists, many of them teach, not all of them, they teach that we came from a common source a single cell creature in some primordial swamp. And, and that man has over billions of years evolved through the animals until he's become what we are today. I don't believe this. I believe that the human race was created a brand new and distinct and a marvelous species. I don't believe that I am related to the monkeys or the apes or the trees or the worms or any of those things. And I believe I've got good evidence for it. I can give you, I, I think, I don't have time today, but I've studied this for years and I, I believe there is tons of evidence to believe in the creator God. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. In the beginning was the word, the logos. The Bible says, that everything started with the Logos, which is the word. That means information. This is truth. Of course, that was Christ. But the atheist says, no, everything started with, with complete chaos. It was all chaos. And then from the chaos came information. That is ballyhoo. Information came first. You are just a, a, a remarkable being that is filled with trillions of bits of information. That is why I believe in a creator God and that is why I do not believe that I happened as a cosmic accident. I believe that I came from God and one day I will go to him. This is, my friend, the honest truth. Catherine from the Ukraine wrote, Please explain to me the post-truth era. Can everyone have his own truth? Would you vote for a liar? That's a super good question. Post-truth. This is sort of a, uh, a new idea that's dawned upon the consciousness of, of, of millions, even billions of people. Because I know... Many, many people in America are now, and in Australia, and in Britain, other places, they're talking about post-truth. We've come to an era beyond truth. And this has entered into politics. It is in, in it's got into our political institutions because people now are talking stuff that is not the truth. Once upon, once upon a time, we used to say they were telling lies. But now we say, no, 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 they're not telling lies because everybody can have his own truth. Truth is now a private matter. Now, when people have asked me about this and I've endeavoured to give an honest answer, I've taken them back to Germany a couple of hundred years ago where, the, where 
the philosophers were leading the world in their speculation and in their conclusions. This is hypothetical, but I want you to think that sitting around the table, there are a group of great German philosophers. And one of them says, you know, Germany's in a mess. Another one says, yeah, it's true, but the whole world's in a mess. Well, maybe we're the philosophers, we're to blame for the world being in a mess. And then one of the great philosophers says, have you ever thought that maybe the way we have thought and reasoned has been the problem? Yeah? What do you mean? Well, we have always reasoned for thousands of years on the basis of antithesis. Are oh, you getting heavy? Antithesis. What do you mean? Well, antithesis says that if this is A, then it's not B. And if this is one, it's not seven. If this is right, then this is wrong. You got contrasts. You have absolutes. And for thousands of years, we've reasoned on the basis of there being things that are right and things that are wrong. Well, said another German philosopher, maybe we were on the wrong track. Maybe we ought to reason on the basis of synthesis, that one can be seven, that black can be white, that a man can be a woman, and they said, let's give it a go. And this idea of synthesis permeated the thinking of the German philosophers. And soon it spread across the continent and it went to England. And people started to think, well, one can be seven. Black can be white. There's no such thing as an absolute. And after another hundred years, it jumped across the pond and it went to the United States of America and it got inside the universities where it is taught today. So I, 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 find, I don't find that what you're telling me, John Carter, could be true. I'm telling you the truth, my friend. It's the honest truth. We've come to a brave new world where for millions and even billions of people, there are no longer absolutes. That wrong can be right and right can be wrong and uh, you can have your own truth. And some people say today, and they're saying this in America and the great universities and in Australia and especially in Great Britain and uh, certainly in Germany, they are saying this, you've got your beliefs, You've got your truths, we've got our truths, and there's no such thing as absolute truth, and there's no such thing as absolute wrong. Jesus and the Bible plainly teach, not post-truth, but the truth of objectivity. Here are the words of Jesus again. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That, my friend, uh, is the honest truth. Vanessa from Melbourne wonders, 
What happens when we die? She's afraid of death. Can you tell her if life has meaning? She has friends who have tried to kill themselves. Is there an answer? This is a terrific question, and I hope that I can, I can be a help to you. But that's a tremendous question. There are a number of questions we've got to answer before we can answer this question. Number one, who am I? Or what am I? Uh, am I just a thing? Am I a, a cosmic accident? Who am I? The Bible teaches that I'm a child of God. The Bible teaches that God made me in his own image. That's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter, chapter 1. I am not a, a son of the slime. I'm not related to the beasts. I didn't come down from the trees. I was made by the very hand of God. So I want you to know today that you are tremendously important. The Bible starts with these amazing words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is talking about Jesus becoming a man. You are made in the very, very image of this God. And therefore, you are tremendously important. Where did I come from? I came from the hand of God. Why am I here? I'm here for a purpose. There's a purpose in my life. I'm not simply a cosmic accident. I am here because God has a purpose for me. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God. There is a divine providence. I want you to know something you are important. When I used to preach in Russia to hundreds of thousands of people, even to millions of people, I would tell those people who'd been brainwashed by the awful doctrines of Marxism and communism and atheism and who would come into the meetings with their heads down like this, so discouraged, so depressed, I would tell them, you are a child of God. You are a beautiful person. You are made in the image of God. You are distinct, you are, you, are, you are glorious in God's sight. I say this to you today, this is the honest truth, you are important. What about the future? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? The Bible teaches that Christ is going to come and the Bible teaches that we are going to have everlasting life. The Bible teaches that death is a sleep. Jesus said of Lazarus, Lazarus is sleeping, Lazarus is dead. I'm now, I'm now an old man. Today is my birthday. But one day soon, I'm going to be a, a young man again. The bloom of eternal youth is going to be upon my, my forehead. I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to run. I'm going to jump like a deer. I will never, never, never get tired. I will never, ever get sick. I will live for eternity in the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ who died for me. Listen, the future is glorious. The future is tremendous. The future is great. And you are special. And God loves you. And God has a very wonderful future for you, my dear friend. This is the truth. Laura from Florida 
has a very personal question. What do you tell a young woman who has just had an abortion? Well, I'm a dad and I'm a grandpa also. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of suffering. I know the world is completely mixed up. We've got this post-truth garbage, this stuff that is destroying the, the minds of people and destroying their bodies and their souls. And you turn on television and you get, pardon my saying this, you get this, this garbage. You get all of this so often you get filth and immorality. And wherever you go from country to country, it's just, it's pouring out and people are being brainwashed. Firstly, I want to say this, that every person is, is important. Every little baby is precious in the sight of God. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, whatever their color, whether they're black, whether they're brown, whether they're white like I am, every person is important in the sight of God and every little baby in the womb is important. One of the Bible prophets says, before I was born, you saw me in the womb and called me by my name. But what would I say as a grandfather or as an old pastor, what would I say to a young woman who's had an abortion and probably is is going through a very traumatic time with a million thoughts raging in her head, I would tell her this. And some of you may disagree with me. Some of you may say, well, you ought to really tell her off. Lambaster, tell her off. I would tell her, my dear, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And then when I had the opportunity, maybe I could help her to find a better way. But I want you to know something. You'll never win a person to Christ by being harsh and cold and hard. I ask the question as an old pastor, how many people have left the church because of the harshness they found with some people inside the church? Not all by any means, but with some. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? A friend of mine told me that he hadn't been in a church for many, many years. This was in the United States. And he decided with a friend to go along to a church. He was scared to go because he thought, you know, am I going to find some people who are going to condemn me and censor me and blast me? But he said there was an old lady at the front door. She was a deaconess. <laughs> she came to him and she welcomed him and she hugged him. She said, I'm so glad that you've joined us today. She said, what are you doing? She said, for lunch. 
we have a lunch here and we would be so honored if you would stay and eat with us. We're not wealthy folks, but we'd like you to share what we've got. He said, it broke his heart, the kindness he found in that church from that old deaconess, that lady who was standing looking for lost sheep. I think we've got to start treating people like lost sheep. And when Jesus found the lost sheep, he didn't kick the lost sheep. He picked it up and he kissed it. I think we should be trying to help people and lift people up and love people. I think we've all been too pharisaical in the past. We should speak out against that which is wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I believe in the sanctity of life. But I believe in winning and not repulsing. I believe we can learn a lot from that old deaconess in a church in the deep south, somewhere in Georgia, who said, God loves you and so do I. And that's my message to you on my birthday. Not in my television studio because of COVID-19, but sensing the presence of God, thanking God for another birthday and saying to you, God loves you and so do I and thank you for joining me today. Honest questions, honest answers, the honest truth. You can now stay in touch with the Carter Report by using the mobile app. The latest Carter Report programs will be at the top. Select one and press watch. Scroll up through the topics. Find a topic you like and then scroll to the left to select a program to play. Tap on that program to watch. Now you can enjoy hundreds of Carter Report programs on your phone or tablet. In each program, Pastor Carter will teach you more about your walk with Christ. We have six channels. Our most recent is Focus on Prophecy. We also have Carter Classics, Ask John Carter a Question, The Carter Report in Action, The Living Word, and Carter Report Espanol. You may want to search for something specific. On the top of the screen is a magnifying glass icon. Tap it and type the subject you are looking for. Then tap on the lesson. You'll see three menu bars in the upper left-hand corner. Tap the bars to open a menu of additional items to select. If you'd like to partner with us, you can find our donation page. An arrow in the upper left-hand screen will take you back to the screen you were at before. Like anything new worth finding, it takes a bit of exploration. You will tap and swipe your finger across, above and below topics, programs, arrows, and icons. Eventually, you'll be very familiar with the Carter Report mobile app, all from your favorite chair. Enjoy the Carter Report anytime, anywhere on the Carter Report mobile app.
For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.